0: Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast. A podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I want to continue to talk to you this morning from the book of Habakkuk. And we're going to wrap up this series that we've been in entitled Trusting God in Trying Times. And I did not know when I first started this series that today that we would have some families going through some really difficult, trying times in their lives. But Habakkuk teaches us how we can live lives of trust and lives of faith, even during trying times. I remind you that, Eli- that, that, that Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament, That doesn't mean that he was not major in the message that he delivered. It's just that his message was not very long. It was just three chapters in his book. A major prophet would be somebody like Isaiah or Ezekiel or Jeremiah. And they're only major prophets because their books are longer. God spoke through them more things than he spoke through people like the prophet Habakkuk. We don't know a lot about Habakkuk other than that he was a temple musician, a priest who later became a prophet. And a prophet is somebody who who speaks to the people on behalf of God. But what's interesting about the book of Habakkuk is that Habakkuk doesn't necessarily speak to the people on behalf of God, but instead he has a dialogue with God. And he's processing some things and you and I we are invited into the conversation And in chapter one of Habakkuk, we find that Habakkuk is wrestling with God As I've pointed out, that's what his name means. His name means to wrestle or to embrace And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but Habakkuk wrestles with God about three things Number one, God, you don't seem to care there's all this injustice, there's all this violence that's going on among your people who have broken covenant with you. And God, you don't seem to be doing anything about it. You don't seem to care, care. You're, you're acting so indifferent. And then the second thing that he wrestled with God with is not just the fact that God, you don't seem to care, but God, you could do something, but you're not. I think it's frustrating, doesn't it? When you know that God can, but he doesn't. It's not that he can't, It's that he, for some reason or another, has chosen not to. And so Habakkuk is struggling with that. God, you don't seem to care. God, I know you can, but you're not doing what I know you can do. And then thirdly, he's struggling with the fact that, God, what you are doing doesn't seem fair. God, you're going to take a nation like Babylon, a nation that's so much more wicked than your own people, and you're going to use a nation more wicked than your own to chasten and to discipline your people. And so Habakkuk has a lot of questions in Habakkuk chapter one, and there's some of you here this morning, that's where you're living right now. You're right smack dab in the middle of Habakkuk chapter one. And what we have talked about each week is that Habakkuk has found himself having a crisis of belief or a crisis of faith. We all know what it's like, you know, when we begin our journey with the Lord, how exciting that is. When we have all of those God coincidences, you know, where we come to church and it seems like every message was right for us. Or every song was exactly what we needed to hear. Or I pray and God answers my prayer. Somebody gets sick and I pray for them to be healed and they're healed. We know what it's like to to have that spiritual high, those God coincidences in our lives. But how many of you know this morning that if you walk with God long enough, that at some point in time you're going to hit a dip on that journey? You're going to encounter a crisis of faith. You're going to encounter a crisis of belief where what you are seeing with your eyes doesn't line up with what you believe to be true about God in your heart. And so it leaves you with a lot of questions. God, you don't seem to care. God, you could, but you're not. God, what you are doing doesn't seem fair. And we've all had that kind of crisis in our lives. And Habakkuk actually ends chapter one with a question. He's saying, God, I understand you're gonna use these Babylonians as an instrument of your discipline of correcting your people, but God, how long is it going to last? Is it going to last forever? And then of course, God assures him that it's not going to last forever. But when we leave Habakkuk chapter one, we go into Habakkuk chapter two and we answer the question, what do you do when you're in a dip? What do you do? How do you respond when you are facing a crisis of faith or a crisis of belief? And we recognized last week that Habakkuk did three things. The first thing that Habakkuk did is he stopped and he listened. He said this in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. He said, I'm going to go up on my watchtower and I'm going to wait to see what the Lord will say to me concerning my complaint against him. He said, I'm going to wait to see. I'm going to stop and I'm going to listen. And that's where some of you are this morning. You need to stop And listen, God is trying to speak to you. I believe even through this pandemic that God is trying to say some things to us, but we will miss what it is that God's trying to say if we don't stop and listen. You see, the problem is not that God doesn't speak anymore, God still speaks. The problem is, are we listening? To hear what it is that God is trying to say to us and so Habakkuk stops and he listens and then the second thing that Habakkuk does is he writes down everything that God says to him and God told him to God said I want you to write down the vision I'm going to show you some things Habakkuk and I want you to write the things down that I show you and I want you to make it plain because in the end it's going to speak and, uh, and 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 he said it's important that that you have a written record of this vision it's important that you have a written record of 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 this revelation that i'm about to give to you because habakkuk there's there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to need to go back and remember what i said to you here when you get to here when you get to this dip in your life you're going to need a a, a word that you can go back to that's going to help you when you're in the dip and God speaks to him and God says, okay, stop and listen. And God, God says to him, I want you to write down everything that I say. And let me encourage you again this morning that when God speaks to you, write down what he says. Because we have a tendency to forget And we need to write down those revelations. We need to write down the vision. We need to write down the dreams that God gives us. Because what that does is when God answers, we have a point of reference. We can go back and say, well, you know it was back at this time in my life when God gave me this dream. When God gave me this vision. When God gave me this revelation. And it's just proof that God is faithful to do what he says. He will do. That's why we have the Bible. That's why we have the Word of God. It's a written record that shows us that God is faithful to do what he says he's going to do. And one of the greatest promises that God has given us is the promise that Jesus is coming again. It's in his word. It's written down in his word, which tells me that God will do what he says, that Jesus is going to come again. Amen. But not only that, it also reminds us that at a point in time in our life that God's Spoke something to us. And and when God speaks something to us in the light, we don't need to doubt in the dip what God has revealed to us in the light. Amen. I I can just tell you this, what has gotten me through so many dips in my life is the word that God has given me. Sometimes that's all you have to fall back on is the fact that God spoke, is the fact that God showed you, is the fact that God gave you that revelation. And so God tells Habakkuk, he says, I want you to stop and listen. And then he says, I want you to write down everything that I say. And then the third thing that Habakkuk had to do is Habakkuk waited. He waited, man, and he waited and he waited because the vision that God gave to him, it took nearly a hundred years for that vision to be fulfilled. It took nearly a hundred years for that vision to become a reality. And, and, And is there anybody here this morning besides me that has come to understand that when God gives you a vision or a revelation or a promise, sometimes there's a long period of time between the giving of the promise and the fulfilling of the promise, between the giving of the vision and the vision becoming a reality. And sometimes we just have to wait. And God told Habakkuk. He said, yes, Habakkuk, I'm going to allow the Babylonians to come in. And he said, yes, they're going to be my instrument and my agent of t- of chastening and discipline. And, and, and when you see all of this going on, Habakkuk, then then and, and it's going to take a while. He said, because when they go into captivity with the Babylonians, he said, they're going to be in, Bab- in, in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. But he says, whatever you do, don't forget the vision I've given you. Don't forget the promise. And the promise that he gave him was in verse 14. He says when it's all said and done he said the earth is going to be filled with my glory. Just as the waters cover the sea he said my my glory is going to fill the earth. And then when he gets down to chapter 2 verse 20 he says and remember this he says that God is still in his holy temple. Because when you get in a dip sometimes You forget who God is Sometimes you forget what God has done And you need to be reminded of what God has done And God said when you see all of this going on And you're wondering why am I allowing what I am allowing When what you see doesn't line up with what you believe about me in your heart Just remember that the pride The prideful trust in themselves But the righteous live by faith in God God. And Habakkuk, you're going to have to start learning how to walk by faith and not by sight. Because if you walk by sight, you're going to get depressed. If you walk by sight, you're going to get discouraged. If you walk by sight, you're going to be defeated. You've got to learn to walk by faith and hang on to that vision, hang on to that promise, hang on to that word that I gave you, hang on to who you know me to be and what you know that that I can do in your life. And so that's what Habakkuk does. He comes through chapter one, wrestling. He's waiting in chapter two. But now when we get to chapter three, I love this. Now he's worshiping God. But here's what's important. He's still in the dip. He's still facing a crisis of faith but he's worshiping even in the dip. And not just worshiping in the dip, what we're gonna see this morning is that he worships his way through the dip. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that could say, I can worship my way through the dip. Listen, you can if you'll do what Habakkuk did. And look at how chapter three begins. It says this in chapter three, verse one. He's gonna teach us how to climb out of the dip today. He said, that this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk notice in the dip he's sinking in the dip he's praying in the dip he is worshiping his circumstances haven't changed but he's changed what's on the outside hasn't changed but he's changed on the inside what was it that changed him Well, the first thing that he did is this. He remembered what God had done. He took a stroll down memory lane... And he remembered what God had done. Hey, when you get down here in a dip at a crisis of belief and a crisis of faith, you need to take a stroll down memory lane. And you need to be reminded that God is still in his holy temple. That God is still in control. That God is still on his throne. And that what God has done, God can do it again. And that's what Habakkuk prays here. Look at this. He said, I've heard all about you, Lord. How many of you have heard about him? How many of you have heard about the Lord? How many of you have heard about God and the great things that he's done? He said, I've heard all about you, Lord, and I'm filled with awe by your amazing work. So if there's one thing that we as the people of God have lost, if we're not careful, it's the awe over the amazing works of God. It's the wonder of God's amazing works. But, but, but Habakkuk said when I take a stroll down memory lane and I'm reminded God of everything that you have done, I stand in awe. I, I stand in amazement. I, 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 I think about all of it and I'm just like wow God. You're so awesome. Wow God. You are, you're so powerful. And, and, and he says I, I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time He said of our deep need help us again as you did in years gone by and he's just simply saying God When I reflect back on how your people have been in trouble in the past When your people have fallen into the hand of your judgment And maybe have been oppressed by other nations and then they cried out to you God And you came through for them God and you delivered them and God and I believe God that if you've done it before That God you can help them now even now in their time of need. And then he says this and he says, and in your anger, remember your mercy. I believe he thought back maybe to Sinai when the people of God had disobeyed God and when Moses come down off the mountain and saw that God's people had already broken the law and God was ready to wipe all of them off the face of the earth and Moses prayed and Moses interceded for them and God even though he was angry God extended mercy and allowed them to live even though they didn't deserve to live and he says God in your anger he said remember your mercy. And then he gets a vision of who God is. Oh, he gets a reminder of who God is and what God had done. He said, I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the holy one coming from Mount Perrin. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise what he begins to remind himself of is that journey of the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt into the promised land and he said that his coming is as brilliant as the sunrise rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden he said pestilence marches before him plague follows close behind him when he he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. I know that look. I used to get that look from my mama when I was misbehaving in church, and she would give me that look that would make me shake in my shoes. And I knew when I got home, I was in trouble. Some of you men know what I'm talking about. Your wife has that look sometimes that she can give you, and you know he means business it's a look that causes you to shake in your shoes and sometimes when God looks at us you can look at him and tell boy he's serious something has ticked God off something has gotten God angry something has gotten God mad and he says that when he looks the nations tremble he shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills because he is the eternal one now let me show you you what he's doing because he does this all the way down through verse 15 and he's going back and he's remembering what God has done in the past and he said God I remember when your children were in captivity in the nation of Egypt and they cried out to you and God you sent them Moses you sent them a deliverer and God you sent plagues and you sent pestilences and and you hardened the heart of Pharaoh and you judged the false gods of Egypt and 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 then God you brought your children out of Egyptian captivity and and when when they came to the Red Sea God you parted the waters of the Red Sea so that they could cross on dry ground and then you used those same waters as Pharaoh and his army was pursuing the Israelites God you drowned them in those waters and you annihilated their enemy and you told them look that the enemy that you see today you will not see them again ever. God, I remember how that by a pillar of fire by night, you directed them. How that through a cloud by day, you kept them safe from the sun. You kept the temperature cool for them. God, I remember when they got thirsty and Moses just took his rod and struck a rock and water began to flow out of a rock in the middle of the desert so that everybody had plenty to drink. God, I remember when they got hungry and you called. Bread to fall down out of heaven, and you caused quail to become deranged in their brains and fly into their camp so that they could have meat to eat every single day. God, I remember that for 40 years they their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years God their clothes didn't wear out now think about that they've walked in those shoes every day for 40 years and those shoes never wore out those clothes never wore out he said God I remember when they came to the Jordan River ready to go into the promised land and God it's like you held up your hand and told those waters stop flowing and you dammed up those waters so that the waters could not continue to flow so that they could cross on into dry ground. I mean he's having himself a trip down memory lane because he needs to be reminded of what God has done in the past and then he would go on to Joshua chapter 6 and he said God I remember that once you got him into the promised land and they faced Jericho and the walls were so high and so thick that there was no way they could scale over or bust through those walls and God you gave them a plan and you said march around the wall.'" six or one time every day for six days and then on the seventh day march around those walls for seven times and god when they had marched around that wall for the last time they let out a shout of faith and those walls came tumbling down god i remember that miracle god i have heard about the mighty things that you have done god he continues on to Joshua chapter 10 and says god i remember when Joshua was called upon because the Amorites had come together and formed an alliance. Five kings had come together and formed an alliance to come against the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites had a covenant with, with Joshua and the people of God. And they called on Joshua and said, Joshua, we need your help. There's no way we can win this battle by ourselves. And the Lord speaks to Joshua and said, this day, I'm going to give the enemy into your hands. And they go out on the battlefield and, And God begins to fight the battle for them. There's confusion among those Amorites. They begin to turn on themselves. And then God begins to rain down hailstones from heaven. And the men are killed by the hailstones. The Bible says more were killed by the hailstones than they were by the swords of the men. And there was such a victory that the nation of Israel was experiencing. But all of a sudden it looked like it was about to get dark. And do you know what Joshua did? He prayed a Bold, big, ridiculous prayer. He looked up at the sun and he said, Sun, stand still. He looked over to the moon and said, Moon, don't move out of your place. And do you know what God did? God honored a man because he had faith enough to pray that kind of a big prayer. And God caused the sun to stand still. He called the moon to stand still. It stayed daylight another 24 hours so that Joshua and his army could completely defeat. The Amorites, and here's Habakkuk. He's he's taking a stroll down Memory Lane. God, if you can make the sun stand still, if you can make the moon stand still, and then he goes to Judges chapter four and five, where we read about a woman in Scripture. Yes, God can use women. Don't you let anybody tell you that He cannot. There was a prophetess in the Old Testament by the name of Deborah, and she was a judge, and at that time she was the leader over all of Israel. And God spoke to Deborah because the people of God had been in captivity for 20 years to the Canaanites who were being led by a guy by the name of Sisera. And they cried out to God and God said, okay, I'm going to deliver them. And he speaks to Deborah, tells Deborah what to do. Deborah calls a guy by the name of Barak and says, Barak, get your 10,000 best soldiers because we're going to battle against the Canaanites and Sisera. And do you know what Barak said? Barak said, we can't go to battle against them. They've got 900 iron chariots. How are we ever going to be able to defeat an army that has 900 iron chariots? And Deborah looked back at Barak and said, because we got God on our side. And God has promised that he's going to fight this battle for us. And so Barak gets his 10,000 soldiers. They go down to the Kishon River where they encounter Sisera and his 900 chariots. And do you know what God does? I'm telling you, if you haven't read your Bible, you need to read your Bible. These stories are interesting. These stories are exciting. But it says that God caused a torrential rain to fall and those iron chariots, so much rain fell that the iron chariots got bogged down in the mud and they became an easy prey for the nation of Israel. And here Habakkuk is, man, he's just reliving all of it. He's reminding himself of what God has done. God, you did all kind of miracles to get your children out of Egypt into the promised land. God, you caused the walls of Jericho to come down. God, you were the one who caused the sun and the moon to stand still. God, you're the one that defeated the Canaanites and And here's what he said. He said, when I think about it, God, I stand in awe of your amazing works. But then he didn't stop there. He said, God, what you've done in the past, I know you can do it again, Lord. Do it again. Is there anybody here this morning that would join with Habakkuk and say, God, once again, we want to see a demonstration of your power. Once again, we want to see a demonstration of your glory, God. Once again, God. God, we want to see miracles that leave no doubt, God, that it was you and you alone. Think about it this morning. What is the greatest miracle that God has ever done for you? Think about it. And I can't count all the miracles that God has done in my life. I begin to think about revival. I can't help but go back to the very first church that Jamie and I pastored in Leeds, Alabama. Alabama. And I knew that God was speaking to us about not just doing a revival, not not just a a, a series of meetings for our church, but something that was going to impact our community. And even though it hadn't been done in years, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, find the biggest tent you can find. Because we had a little old bitty sanctuary that would seat about a hundred people. And God spoke to me and said, this little place isn't going to hold the numbers of people that are going to come. And I said, well, Lord, who's going to preach this thing? He said, don't you worry about that. I'm going to take care of that. A couple of weeks later, we were at the General Assembly and I got on the elevator. And you would know it that somebody stepped on the elevator with me. His name was Perry Stone. And I looked at Perry and I said, this is a kingdom connection today. I believe that God has spoken to you and you're going to come to Leeds, Alabama. And you're going to preach a meeting for us. He said, "Where?" first of all, he said, who are you? I told him who I was. He said, where do you pastor? I said, in Leeds. He said, how big is your church? I said, well, that shouldn't matter, but I'll tell you anyway. And we talked it through. He said, I can be there in a couple of weeks. And we started, I believe it was in 1987. We called it Pentecost 87 because we had a hunger and we had a thirst to see God do again what we knew that he had done in the past. And that thing went for one week. It went for two weeks. It went for three weeks. It went for four weeks. Some of you in this room today even came out and were a part of that meeting. We had your youth choir who came out and sang one night during that meeting. But toward the end of that meeting, we had right at a thousand people sitting under that tent in that little bitty town of Leeds because people were hungry for a move of God, and we were seeing people saved, we were seeing people delivered, we were seeing people healed. I mean, miraculous miracles. And sometimes I think about that. I I can't help but sometimes take a stroll down memory lane. How many of you remember the old tabernacle on Glory Hill back over here on Bessemer Super Highway where we used to have camp meeting every year? Oh, how I wish some of our kids and our young people could experience the kind of services and the demonstration of God's power that we experienced on that hill. No, I don't think we ought to live in the past, but I do think we can learn from the past and want to experience the same God in the present that we experienced in those days. But I can remember one night, just bear with me while I go down memory lane, I can remember one night Dr. T.L. Lowry was up preaching, and he was preaching, and I mean God was using him mightily but right in the middle of his message a demon possessed woman gets up and starts walking toward him while he's preaching and of course when he sees this woman coming he looks at her and he says I bind you devil in the name of Jesus you come out of her right now and I kid you not those that were in that service that night it was like a ball of fire and we saw the ball of fire that came out and it took off and he said you leave this tabernacle you leave these grounds and don't you ever come back here again and that ball of fire shot out the back side of that tabernacle. I know some of you have a hard time believing that and if I hadn't been there to see it myself I would have probably doubted it too but sometimes I think about the demonstrations of God I think about the power of God I think about the miracles of God that I've seen and I've witnessed and that I heard about and I pray Lord do it again in our day in this season in this time God do it do it again Lord (laughs) hallelujah Would it be all right with somebody here today if God were to just show up like he's never shown up before and demonstrates that he is still God, that he is still in control, that he is still on his throne, that nothing is too hard for him, that no matter what your need is in your life today, no matter how sick you are in your body, no matter how bound you up in your soul and your mind that God can still set you free and heal you and save you and deliver you for his glory and honor oh somebody help me worship him this morning hallelujah 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 god you did it before you can do it again you did it before god you can do it again hallelujah (laughs) Oh, man, I tell you what, if we could get that kind of a hunger, if we could get that kind, of, that kind of a desire, that kind of passion once again for the Lord. He said, I stand in awe of your amazing works. And God, what you did then, do it again. Do it again, Lord. He remembered what God Had done. And let me tell you something when you're in a dip, it's okay. Take a trip down memory lane. Remind yourself of what God's done in your life and ask Him to do it. Again, but not only did He remind Himself of what God had done, He also accepted what God is doing. But, like God told Habakkuk, just remember it's not gonna last forever. what he reminded him of is that the Babylonians will reap what they sowed. They will get what comes to them. But then a last thing that Habakkuk did is this. Habakkuk said, I'm not going to just remember what God has done and accept what God is doing, but I'm going to trust what he's going to do. And I love this because he said, I'm going to wait quietly. That's hard to do, isn't it? I'm gonna wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. God, you said that the Babylonians are gonna get what's coming to them and God, I'm gonna trust that you will do what you said. And then we get to this famous verse where Habakkuk said, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there's no grapes on the vines, And even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Notice, he's still right here. When he looks around, there's no figs, there's no grapes on the vine. It's a possibility he thinks we could starve to death because of the famine and there's no food. And he could have gotten stuck right there and a lot of people do. But notice what he said, yet. It doesn't change what I know to be true about God. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. You see, every one of us choose which side of yet we're going to live on. We can live over here and get stuck over here where everything's bare and where it looks like everything's going wrong. Where We're depressed and we're discouraged and we're defeated. You can get stuck there or you can take one step of faith to the other side of yet. I will rejoice in spite of my circumstances. I will rejoice. My circumstances haven't changed, but I have because I've gotten a fresh revelation of who God is. And I will rejoice. And then he ends that chapter saying this The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure footed as a deer. Able to do what? To do what? Tread where? Here. Right here. How do you get from here to here? You worship in spite of your circumstances, because worship is the truest expression of trust in God than anything else. So let me ask you today, can you worship God no matter what? Because you know that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's happening to you, no matter what's happening around you, God is still good. And God is still faithful. And God can still be trusted. And God deserves to continue to be worshiped. And if you'll worship Him through it, He'll take you to the heights. Isaiah said it like this They that wait upon the Lord, He shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, they will run and not be weary, they will walk and not faint. Get ready because this is where you're headed. It may be a little bit of a difficult journey getting there, but listen, you can worship your way to the heights because when you worship, God strengthens and God will give you the strength you need to continue. Sometimes it might get worse before it gets better, but you're headed up. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm headed up. Look at him again and say, I'm headed out and I'm headed up. Father, we thank you today that you're faithful, that you're good. Even when we don't understand why you're doing what you're doing or how you're doing what you're doing, even when we don't understand, you're still God. You're still on the throne. You're still in control. Who are we to argue with you? So we're going to just trust that even though we may go through a difficult season, this too will pass. We will get through it and we'll be stronger for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles, and we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.